So I remember in the eighth grade, I tried out for the basketball team. And it, it really wasn't my thing. I, I liked baseball, I liked football, but I had friends that were going to play basketball, and I figured that I would just sort of give it a shot. And tryouts went how you would have imagined they would go for someone that admittedly didn't really like basketball that much. And so I remember the day that the list was posted, I, I didn't go check it. I just knew that I hadn't made the team. And so I, what I did, I went into the locker room, and I was putting on my cleats to go back outside with the football players, and somebody said, you can't wear those in the gym. I was like, I know, I'm not going in the gym. And they said, no, you are. Your, your name's on that list over there. And I was like, what in the world? And so I, I went into the gym, and I had the first basketball practice that day. And then afterwards, I'll, I'll never forget this moment. The coach of that team uh, at Dory Intermediate, he might still be there, uh, actually. He was just a couple years ago. But the coach at Dory, he pulled me aside, and he talked to me. And I'll never forget what happened that day. He, uh, he talked to me about my work ethic. He talked to me about my attitude and my hustle and just being a team player. And all of these things, it was incredibly encouraging as he just built me up over and over and over again, pointing out all these great things uh, about me. And, and admittedly, he didn't talk at all about my basketball ability in that conversation, right? That was not built up at all. But a lot of other things were. And, and listen, this has been a long time since I was in eighth grade, but, but that moment where he pulled me aside and used his words to encourage me, they, they stuck with me. Right? They, it made an impact on me that day, that moment, as an eighth grade kid, 14 years old. And, and I bet if you think about it, you can remember a time like that as well, where someone's words made an impact on you. Where someone's words built you up, where, where they encouraged you, right? Maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a coach like me, a teacher, a friend, a coworker, a boss. Maybe somebody just spoken truth into your life and just worked to build you up. And the cool thing is this, is, is God allows us to remember those moments. They're sources of encouragement that we can go back to later. They impact us in a profound way. But I think that we know that the opposite is true as well, right? We can probably all recall Moments in life where someone went the other way towards us with their words. We were hurt by somebody in the words that they said to us, whether it was intentional or unintentional. In those same moments, right, they stick with us. We, we carry them forward as well. That's because words that are spoken into our life from the people around us have a way of leaving a lasting impression, right? They're just burned into our brains. In fact, in James chapter 3, and if you've got your Bible or if you've got that scripture journal for the book of James, go ahead and open up there. And we're going to see in James chapter 3 that, that God tells us that the tongue, even though it's a small part of our body, can do major things in the world around us. That the tongue, even though it's a small part of our body, can be a major blessing or that our tongue can do some major damage. I want you to look at chapter 3 of James, starting in verse 1. God's word says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their entire body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the entire animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large... And driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. Listen, we, we can't miss this. If you're taking notes, the first thing that I want to point out this morning is this, is that our words are powerful. 
Our words, make it personal, my words, your words, words are powerful. The things that you say, the things that come out of your mouth matter in a big, big way. And it makes sense that James would start with teachers because teachers more often than not use what? They use their words, right? And just like every time we open our Bibles, we have to make sure we understand the context so we get the right meaning out of this. In James' day, there were some people that would go after the position of teacher because they, they wanted this position of honor. They wanted to be in front of people. They, they wanted to, to have the crowd in front of them. And, and so essentially, they would go after it with wrong hearts and wrong motives. They wouldn't go after it with the desire to truly help people understand the Word of God. So what I I don't want to happen is I don't want anybody to read this verse and be like, finally, I'm off the hook. That's it. I'm never teaching the Word of God to anybody else because James says, really, I shouldn't pursue that, right? That's not what he's going after, right? He's saying that we shouldn't pursue that with the wrong heart and the wrong motives. I want to remind you that Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he said, go and make what? We know this. Go and make disciples. And then as the sentence goes on, he says what? teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, right? That's what Jesus told all of his followers to do. So if we're following Jesus, we are teaching other people to follow Jesus. That's exactly what he's told us to do. And parents, this is double for us, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read and see that our homes, right, every moment that we have with our kids is supposed to be a teaching moment where we're helping our kids understand the love of God and what it means to live for God and what it means to follow after God. So at the end of the day, we're we're all teachers, maybe not on a stage, maybe not with a microphone, but we're all called in one way or another to teach the Word of God to the people that God's placed in our lives. And as we do, let's just make sure that our hearts and our motives are focused on God. And it's right after this note to teachers where we begin to see truly and really how powerful our words are. Look back at verses 3 and 4. We see a bit going into the mouth of a horse, and we see a rudder on the back of a big boat steering the boat where it goes. And I want to take the horse first, right? The horses are incredible animals. They're big. They're strong. They're powerful. They're fast. They're beautiful. There was a big race on yesterday afternoon, the Kentucky Derby, I think, right? I don't know if anybody got a chance to see that. But that horse that was out in front, man, that was a powerful, powerful animal, right? It's incredible when you get to be up close with them. This past uh, fall, my family got a chance to spend a couple days on a friend's ranch, and they had some horses, and they took us over one day to, to ride the horses, and so my kids got to ride on a horse named Pizza, right? That's my kind of horse, right? A horse named Pizza, and so we set our kids up on Pizza, and they got to ride Pizza around. I just like to say they got to ride Pizza around, right? They're riding Pizza around this arena, and I put all three of my kids up there, and at the time, right, I, I put a 35, 40-pound uh, you know, boy up on this horse, and he's able to tell that thing to go anywhere he wanted, right? Hundred pound plus, hundreds of pound horse, uh, strong, powerful, fast, agile, all of that is being completely controlled by my 40 pound five year old son. Why? Small piece of metal in the mouth of the horse directed and guided that horse every single place that it was going to go, right? That little tiny thing placed into its life was able to determine the direction that it was going to go. And we see the same thing with ships in that example. There's a tiny rudder on the back of a ship that that James says is going to take the ship through the winds and through waves and through storms, that it's going to determine the direction that it goes, right? Horses and ships, incredibly powerful things in James' day, all driven, all guided, and steered by the smallest 
the smallest thing. And that's what he says in verse 5. If you look at it, he says, likewise, just like the ship, just like the horse, right? Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body that makes great boast. Consider what great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is powerful. And just so we're on the same page as we walk through this passage, it's not just talking about the little physical piece of our body that's in our mouths. That is included, but, but this word is bigger than that. It includes our speech. It includes our communication. So when we read the tongue, yes, think the tongue that's in your mouth, but also think all the ways that we communicate to the world around us. And so if we think about that and bring that forward to today, right, it's, it's not just what we say, it's what we type, it's what we text, it's what we post, it's what we email, it's all the ways that you and I communicate to the world around us. And, and as we do that, we've got to understand God's word here and know that the things that we say set the direction for so many different things. I mean, think about it. The first time that you meet somebody, you form a first impression. And so much of that is based on what? based on the words that that person has to say to you. We just talked about teachers and students and administrators and everybody going back to school in person on this Tuesday and online, all of that kind of stuff. Listen, for those kids that are going back, their year is going to be driven by, directed by the first words that come out of those teachers' mouths, right? That's going to set the course for the year. The tongue is powerful. Words are powerful. What we say, text, type, post, all of that stuff. Listen, we need to understand that it impacts people in a way that they'll remember. It impacts people in a a way that's much greater than we could probably understand being on the speaking end of it. But like so many powerful things, our tongues, our mouths, our communication, guess what? It's tough to control. Or have you ever said something out loud in a group of people and that read the room and the faces and immediately been like, why did I say that? That was the wrong thing to say. How can I get that back? Somebody put this back in my mouth. I think that we've all been there at one point or another, right? Look at verse 5, the end of it. It says, consider what great a force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Listen to this. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself, the tongue itself, is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. If you're taking notes, the second thing that we have to understand, if we're going to get where God wants us to get with this passage of Scripture is this, it's that our words are tough to control. Our words are tough to control. We don't always say the right thing the right way at the right time. If you look at the second part of verse 5, he says a great forest and he says a small spark. Those two phrases are really close to each other. And the cool thing is this, the word for great right there and the word for small right there in the Greek, it's the same word. Right? It was a word that was able to sort of be used in both ways, go both directions right there. And the way that he would, was writing was to really emphasize the point and to grab our attention to make us sure that we understand that something major, something massive, something huge could come from something that we might think is so incredibly small. And it's also in verse 5 that we see this. If you look at it, you notice a contrast. Something changes right here. The first time in this passage, he brings in the destructive potential of our words. 
when he says, think about a forest fire, a small spark that gets it rolling. I've got a couple pictures of it just to get our mind to go visually where he wants us to go, right? There's some pictures they'll put up there from a forest fire that's active right now, actually, in the state of Colorado. This picture right here was taken from the International Space Station, right? This is how big the fire is, and you can see it from space, right? It's going across the state of Colorado right now. Hundreds of thousands of acres are on fire, and listen. The fires that are active there, the fires that are active in California, the fires that that we saw earlier this year in in Australia, almost every single one of those started with a little tiny spark. It started with somebody being careless. It started with a cigarette out a window. It started with a campfire not properly put out. Carelessness led to something that became huge and moved incredibly quick. That fire that you just saw, as of yesterday, 8% contained. They can't control it. Right? It is spreading out of control. That's the picture that James is trying to paint for us with our words. Think about it. Have you ever said something with your words, the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person that caused a problem? And if not, then, then you are different than me. I, I, I have said many things at the wrong time that, that have caused some problems. I was at a wedding the other night. I was actually officiating a wedding the other night, and I was telling Lewis earlier that, that one of my greatest joys in life uh, after spending so much time in student ministry is, is to stay connected with kids and to see them grow up and to see them become adults that love Jesus, that are walking with Jesus, to find a godly spouse that loves Jesus and is walking with Jesus and build a godly marriage and a godly family. It, it, I just can't describe the joy that I feel in that moment. And, and I was honored Friday night to get to do this wedding and uh, you know, spent a lot of time with the couple leading up to it, talking about God and their marriage and their faith and how they were going to glorify God together. And in the middle of this ceremony, that this incredibly intimate, uh, personal, tender moment. I'm, I'm reading this thing. It's beautiful that the groom had written about his, his beautiful bride. And in that moment, I'm reading through it. And I said, and the bride is so incredibly, listen, selfish. <laughs> I said the wrong thing, right? The wrong word popped out of my mouth. And the bride and the groom looked at me like, what? What did you just say? And they started to laugh. And then I, I couldn't get it back, right? It, it began to spread. And, and not just to them. Then the wedding party starts to sort of laugh about this. And then literally hundreds of people that fill this entire banquet hall are laughing. Tom was one of them. He was laughing at me out there as well, just laughing that, that I had made that mistake with my words. I went the wrong direction. It was the wrong meeting. And everybody was gracious and very, very kind to me. But it's an example. Well, not really. Um, everybody called me selfish at the reception. Um, but, but it's just an example, right? That the wrong word, right? I think there's just one or two letters that were different. Obviously, I'm trying to say selfless, um, but, but the wrong word came out. I could not put it back in. Everybody heard it, and it spread. People began to, to, to laugh. It, it was a joke, and, and it went on and on and on and on. And, and that's a silly example. It ended up fine. They sort of liked having that light moment in the wedding. Anyway, but, but here's the point. Right? When we say something, we can't get it back. And when we say something, it can spread, and it can do some, some major, major damage to the people around us. Right? So let me ask again, have you ever seen a problem that was caused by someone's words? Have you ever seen a problem or maybe a problem that's been caused for you by the things that someone else said? I mean, think about it. Think about the ways that that can happen. A harsh or a, a critical word to a spouse in a tense situation, man, that can cause a fire in a marriage. 
Think about the words of other people in your life. Man, a harsh or critical word from a boss in a season where you already feel stretched so thin, you're working so incredibly hard, that harsh or that critical word, that can set, set a fire and just, just torch your morale, torch what's going on in your office. Hearing that a, a group of friends that, that you love, that, that you're close to, have, have been talking about you behind your back in a way that, that's not flattering, that, that's not honoring, man, that, that can set friendships on fire. Listen, James is really trying to help us see here that words and words can get us in trouble. And once they start, it is so hard for us to get them back. And honestly, as you think about this passage, as I think about this passage, I know that I'm not immune to this and I don't think that any of us are immune to this. Our words, the things that we say, have the potential to do some major damage. And if you look at verse 6, man, James says that, that our tongues are set on fire by hell. There, there's not too many ways to interpret that, I promise you. I looked over and over this week trying to find a way to make that a positive thing, and I, I just can't find, I can't get there, right? The, the word hell that, that's used in that passage was a reference to a place outside of Jerusalem, right? It's not what we think of when we think of hell. It, it was a description of an actual physical place that's right there by Jerusalem, and, and the things that had happened uh, outside Jerusalem in that place for the centuries prior were, were just unspeakable gruesome acts of evil. That's what he's trying to point their, their brains to. And in the day that James was writing, that was actually a big pile of burning trash, right? It, it had turned into a trash dump. And so when he references that, he's trying to make the point that our words are powerful, that our words are tough to control, that our words can do major damage. And in verses 7 and 8, he says that humans, man, God has gifted us with these incredible minds to be able to, to train every species on earth, just not the tongue. And as I read that, my mind could not help but thinking about the different species that, that we have trained. And you're probably thinking the same thing, but immediately my mind went to SeaWorld. And it went to a species that we refer to as the killer whale, right? God has given people the, the ability and the brains to train an animal that, that's tens of thousands of pounds and referred to as a killer whale. God has gifted us to be able to teach that thing to play catch with a beach ball, right? To lay there with its tongue open and you can climb in its mouth and pet its tongue safely and all of that kind of stuff. We can do that, but James says we cannot train or tame the tongue. And if you look in verse 8, he's incredibly specific. Who can't train the tongue? He says, no human. Mankind cannot train the tongue. Words matter. His words there were very intentional. He's not saying that our tongue, that our mouth, that our speech and communication cannot be controlled. He's saying that we can't do it on our own. But through a relationship with Jesus, we can. Listen, I don't think that the point of this passage is to leave us discouraged. I don't think that the point of this passage is for us to walk around thinking, oh man, I could do some major harm with my words. God's word said that I can't control the things that are coming out of my mouth. I'm just going to walk around quiet so that I don't offend anybody or so that I don't hurt anybody. I don't think that's the point. I think the point for us in the whole book of James, but especially here, is for us to examine our hearts. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think the point is for us to be encouraged to walk closely with Jesus so that it's his words that come out of our mouth and bring life to the world around us. Because the truth is, our words in the lives of the people around us are not going to be neutral. Our words are going to build up and they're going to encourage and they're going to speak life or words are going to deflate and discourage and take people down. Look at verse 9. 
James writes, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Listen, our third point this morning is this, is our words are going to build up or tear down. Our words will not be neutral. This says right here that, that with our words we praise God. The highest thing that, that we could do with our words is bring glory and honor to God. And it says that with our words we also curse men who are made in the image of God. And I need to, to make sure that we're clear that James isn't just referring to cuss words here. So if you're thinking, I don't cuss, I'm good, that, that's not what, what this is about, right? He's saying that, that cursing is all the different ways that we can harm people with our words. So, of course, that might mean profanity, but it's lying, it's slander, it's gossip, it's insults, it's arguing, it's talking about somebody behind their back, all of those different things. So in that context, I, I just feel like this is a really timely moment, and I want to slow down for a minute. Right, I just want us to think about our world right now and, and how we should, should move out into our world based on this passage. Right? What, what's the general tone of the words that are being spoken in our country right now? Pretty negative, right? I, I mean, I, I wrote down on my notes, awful. I mean, the, the tone in our country, in our world is awful. It's negative. I, I can't remember or think of another time uh, that, that's been like this. There is so little encouragement. There is so little building up of one another, and there is a whole lot of tearing down. And I think that as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we can't move past this moment without taking a good, hard look at ourselves and the contribution that our words, that our communication, our speech are making in the world that God has placed us in. So let me just ask a couple of questions and let us wrestle with this in our hearts for a minute. Do, do our words, right, do, do my words, do your words, do they build people up? Are, are they bringing life to people or are they tearing other people down? Think about the ways that, that you communicate with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your classmates, with your coworkers, with random people that, that God brings into your path? Are you the person, are you the man or the woman, are you the guy or the girl that, that after a, an interaction, a conversation with you, people leave feeling refreshed and encouraged because they've had an encounter with Jesus? Or do people leave an interaction with you just feeling exhausted from the negativity that's flowing out? Similar question, right? Does what you post on social media, does it build people up is it encouraged? Does it contribute positively to pointing people towards Jesus? Or does it tear people down? And sometimes it's hard to evaluate ourselves. And so what I did was, was I actually went to social media this week, and I got a lot of screenshots from some of our people. And we'll put those on the screen, and we can evaluate positive or negative. I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> just kidding, right? Just, just kidding. Um, some of y'all were nervous though, right? Um, listen, didn't look at anybody's social media page, so I can't be accused of doing that this morning. I'm just saying that generally speaking, I can't think of a more unloving place right now 
than the way that, that people post and talk to each other on platforms like that. And listen, as followers of Christ, man, you and I have to use every platform that God's given us, in person, online, whatever way we're communicating with other people to build people up, to point people to Jesus, to bring glory and honor to him. Listen, our, our tone matters. The actual words that we say matter. Our timing matters. Our motives matter. Because at the end of the day, we're called to do what? Lewis said at the very beginning, we're called to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. So in everything that we do, man, that's got to be in the back of our minds. Am I saying this now because I love God and I love this person that I'm talking to, or am I just trying to win an argument? Am I just trying to make a point? And, and, and it's, a, it's a very nuanced thing. Listen, we can, we can disagree with things. As followers of Jesus, we should disagree with a lot of things that are being normalized in our world right now. But the way that we disagree with people matters. The way that we talk to people who, according to James right here, referencing back to Genesis chapter 1, the way that we talk to people who are made in the image of God, that matters. Right? We show our love for God and we show our love for others every single time we interact with somebody, even when... We disagree. And listen, with where God has us right now in the world, we can't run past this without asking, what effect do my words have on the world around me? Listen, a person that's not walking with God, a person that's not spending time in the word of God can't consistently speak pure and helpful words, right? An impure heart is not going to produce pure speech, pure speech, pure communication. It comes from a renewed heart, right? Words that bless and build up flow from what? They flow from Jesus, a vibrant love relationship with him. And so thinking now about the effect of our words on the world around us, it, it brings us to the, I think, the application of this passage, the way that we respond to what James has said here. And I've just got two things, and they're very short and they're very simple, but I think if we would evaluate and look at these two things, then, then we would be doing justice to what God's Word has said here. And the first uh, application point is this. It's very simple. My prayer is that this passage would cause all of us to evaluate our hearts, right, to evaluate our hearts. We've got to remember that this is not a please don't cuss passage, although that's part of it. If we were to leave here cussing, then we would have missed, uh, missed that this morning, right? This is a heart passage, a heart text. I mean, think about it. When our kids say a bad word, what do we do? We ask them not to say that, and that's a good thing, and it's important, but, but there's another step involved too, right? We have to address the problem at a deeper level. We have to address the heart. Jesus says that word problems are really heart problems. He says that it's out of the overflow of our heart that our mouth speaks. I love what David Platt said. He said, we don't need a spiritual tongue doctor. We need a spiritual cardiologist. And praise God, we have one. See, the book of James causes us over and over to look inward. What's in our heart is going to come out in our lives. So as we evaluate our heart, we'll take an honest look at the things that are coming from our mouth. And then the second thing this morning, I think God's calling us to do with this passage is speak life, right? Speak life. Everywhere we go, know that, that Jesus has given us life. He's moved us from death spiritually to life spiritually. That's what's living inside of us. That's what should flow out of us. Mike Taylor, a missionary in England, that a good friend, many of you know him, he's got a shirt that he gives to people when they go over to serve in England to remind them. And the back of it, it's the, the country of England, and right across the top of it, it says, speak life. 
because he knows that, that, that the people he's serving need to hear about the life that flows from Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's life was changed when he saw God's holiness and he recognized his sinful lips and sinful speech. He saw that, that God could cleanse him and after that encounter, he was willing to go. In fact, his response was, here am I, send me. And what did God say? Go and speak life. And my prayer is that in light of this passage, we would leave here doing the same thing. God has us where he wants us right now to speak life. Your neighborhood, man, God has you there to speak life. Your school students, as you go back this week, God has you there to speak life. Your workplace, God has you there to speak life. Wednesday night, I was talking to, to a member of our North Klein family, and he was telling me this incredible story of how COVID has altered his work schedule and workplace. He's spending time via Skype with people that are in China right now, and Skype has this cool feature where he types in English, and it shows up in Chinese over there for the people to read it, and, and he was able to interact with somebody that he normally would not have been able to interact with. And you know what he did? You know what flowed from his heart? Life. He led her to Christ via a Skype call because life is what's coming from his mouth. And my prayer is that that would be each and every one of us. In Romans chapter 10, verse 15, it says, How beautiful are the feet of those that go and share the good news or speak life. As followers of Jesus, we've got to remember that we have life. And when we speak, that's what should come out. So let's speak life to one another. Let's love. Let's encourage. Let's build one another up. And as we leave here, let's speak life to the world around us, to those who need Jesus. Would you pray with me? As we take a moment just with our heads bowed, I want to encourage you just to think about the context of this passage and, and what God would have you do, how God would have you respond this morning. And, and you might be thinking today, hey, you know what? I mean, as, as I honestly evaluate the words that are coming out of my mouth, it, man, it's showing me that, that there's something going on in my heart. And maybe, maybe I don't know Jesus. And if that's you this morning, if you would say, I don't feel like there's life in my heart, I want to encourage you to trust in Jesus today. Let him move you spiritually from death to life. And if you're in the room this morning and that's you at the front, by the baptistry, by the cross, we'll have people here that, that just want to talk with you and pray with you and show you how you can have life in Jesus. And same online, man. If you just want to talk to somebody about life in him, text your name to the number that you see right now. One of us will be with you very quickly to pray with you. And if you're sitting here this morning with your head bowing, you, you know that you're a Christian, you know that God has brought you from death to life, and, and you would just say, hey, God, I'm, I'm having a hard time controlling my words. God, help me to stay focused on you. Help me to walk closely and cleanly and humbly with you so that my words, my words will be yours. So that the things that come out of my mouth will bring you glory and honor as I speak life to the world around me. Words matter. The things that we say matter. They make an impact on the people around us. Let's make sure that in all that we say and in all that we do, we're bringing life, we're pointing people to Jesus. God, we love you and we thank you for the life that you have given us. And God, we pray right now that, that your life, only your life, God, nothing else, God, we just pray that your life, your heart, your love, your words would flow through us in every encounter we have from this day forward. We love you and we trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Would you stand as we worship?